Um, I need to take a quick poll. How many of you have ever, uh, no, not ever, actually, how many, of, how many of you have moved to a new home in the last three years? Raise your hand real high. Three years, almost everyone. Five years, everyone in the last five years, real quick. If you've moved in the last five years, that's basically 98% of our church. It's awesome. Um, uh, moving can be stressful. It, 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 uh, it's what you call the transition. Nobody likes transition. I remember when we moved, we actually moved here six years ago, 2017. By the grace of God, we found a home that was perfect for us, for our family, uh, and that was awesome. But it, uh, we have a tendency to try to find the worst homes and then make them awesome. So that's how we roll uh, as a family. And so we found a house that needed a ton of work on it, uh, and including the entire upstairs. All the bedrooms are upstairs. Uh, and the carpet had just been, it probably was original to the house 1987, it felt like anyway. So it was, uh, it, um, life was on it. And, uh, and it was pulling up in spots and it was just, it was ready. So, uh, but we had j- literally just moved here and uh, we hadn't even had a chance to meet with carpet people. And so it was s- gonna be six weeks before we could get carpet into our house. And so we, um, set up shop in what was supposed to be the dining room. And on the dining room were all of our mattresses. And for the first six weeks, we lived in Franklin, Tennessee. We all had camp out in our dining room, our whole family, my wife and I, four kids, sleeping on mattresses in the dining room. And um, I remember thinking, this isn't great. Um, <laughs> But it's so funny because when we think back on that, the kids are like, oh my gosh, wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that so fun? It's the funniest thing how you can go through something that at the time you're thinking, "Uh, I don't know about this. I don't really enjoy this. I don't like this. And look back and see what a rich uh, gift it actually was. This is... Life in the Lord. You might not have moved homes, although it feels like most of us have moved homes, but you've inevitably been involved in some kind of project where it took some blood, sweat, and tears, or you were having to work through some things. Maybe it was cleaning up, a cleanup project of some kind, or you're building something. Uh, we go through those things, and what we figure out really quickly is that most things that are, have worth and value, they take time, and there is a process There's a full-scale process to get to where we want to go, but sometimes it takes time. And those processes can lead to joy. They can lead towards fullness, but we all can't always and we don't always experience that fullness when we're in the middle of it. In fact, we can be annoyed. We can even experience a lot of pain in the midst of change, in the midst of uh, not knowing what's next. Sometimes it can be really, really hard. There's a long road ahead. And so there are times, I know you've felt this before, where there's like no movement at all. And you're just going like, okay, God, are you, are you there? There's something going on in our world here. And what's true is that that's, that's true of the experiences that we have in you know, moving homes and that kind of stuff. But that's actually real life for every one of us. We are in process and being made right now into something else. We. 
are in process and we're being made into something else. That process is a part of a promise that God has given to us over our lives. And so we're going to look at this promise in Philippians chapter one. But now before we go there, let me just set this up for you because this letter is being written by the apostle Paul and he is in prison. We're not entirely sure exactly which prison, probably his first imprisonment in Rome when he's writing this letter. You want to talk about process. You want to talk about in between. You want to talk about not feeling like you fully arrived. Here is the Apostle Paul who's in prison and he's writing this letter to the Philippian church that has sent him a gift, and he's so incredibly grateful. In fact, Philippians one of the few letters where he's not going like, hey, you guys are a dumpster fire and you need to work through some stuff, right? He's not saying that. He's saying, I'm so incredibly grateful to you. And he's saying this because Paul himself is in process right here. He's living out God's plan, but he's in the middle of this thing. And in Philippians chapter one, he's talking to this sweet church that's been taking care of him. And he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is, here is God has started a process in you. There's a process going on. He is working, he is chiseling, he is rounding, he is removing, he is breaking things off, he's shaping, he's doing all of these things, even adding things in, and he is transforming you and me right now. We're all in process. And here's the promise from God. I will finish the design and the plan that I have for you. That's the promise. That wherever you're at right now, in whatever transition or wherever process, wherever you even find yourself, it might be a great moment for you. You might be really in the thick of it right now. Here's the promise. The thing that I have designed and planned you for, it's going to come all the way to completion. I guarantee it. And so God's in action actually right now. And some of you are like, oh, I know God's working on me, brother. All right, I feel it. But there are also some of you inevitably that are like, man, I don't know. I don't feel anything. I hope he's in process. Might even feel like you're going backwards. And you're just hoping, God, okay, what's going on here in this season but hear this, what God is saying is, I'm going to be faithful to complete. No matter where you find yourself in the journey, I'm coming over you and I will complete. But in order to complete this process in you, to experience God's joy, to experience what he is trying to accomplish. There are some truths we're gonna see all throughout the word of God that he's gonna ask us to do as we step into this process. Can we acknowledge at least that God has got you in a process? He's moving, he's doing something with you. Some of you feel it very keenly. Some of you may feel nothing at all right now. But if you're in Christ, if you've called out on the name of God, the name of Jesus, for hope and for life, then you're in the middle of it. And he's leading you. 
And there's a couple of truths he wants to bring forward as we walk this life with him. And the first is this, listen, God is working his purpose in you. God's working his purpose. We're not going, hear this, we're not gonna experience the full abundant life that Jesus declared over us, one of the many other promises that we get from him, to experience fullness and abundance if we're fighting for our own purpose. There's a dramatic difference than whatever amazing purpose you can bake up in your head versus the plan and design of God over your life. There are two radical different purposes. And the way that we gotta step into that promise is to remember that God is working his purposes in us. He sees 10,000 things you and I could never see. And herein lies this tension where we get to just ask the question, which parts of my life are aligning with the purposes of God and which parts of my life have I aligned with my own purposes for myself? It's a, a little bit of a vulnerable question to ask. How much am I actually seeking, longing, desiring to walk in his design and plan and purpose over my life? Especially in those moments where it feels like I'm not entirely sure what God's doing or I can't see the end result, or I'm not sure exactly where he's leading me, or I'm in a really tough spot and could use some fresh vision for what God's wanting to do in me. I, I can imagine without question, uh, when God came upon uh, little shepherd boy David, pulled him out of the fields, the youngest of how many brothers? Sorry, I should know this by now. Twelve brothers, seven brothers. Come on, biblical scholars. He had a bunch of brothers. He was the nobody. And God said, I'm going to pick this family. I'm going to anoint David as my king. It's an unbelievable thing. He has no qualifications for being a king in any way, shape, or form. But he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. Now hear this. God's design and plan and purpose over the life of David was so much radically better than anything David had conceived for himself. Can you hear that? I'm sure David had great plans to be the great shepherd over this flock. But God had different designs. So he comes to him and says, I'm gonna, I, you are anointed king. So the, the prophet comes anoints him as king. And then guess how long it is before David is anointed, uh, from the time David is anointed king until the time that David actually becomes king. Somewhere between 13 and 15 years. Now, when God comes to tell you, I have plans for your life, I'm going to do something fresh. I'm, do, I'm doing something you can't even conceive. And it's going to happen. Now my question for you is, when are you petering out in that promise? 
Because think about where you were at 15 years ago. That was a long time ago. And David's got a promise over his life. And in fact, as he starts to step into the promise, it's gonna actually get worse. And uh, the very king that David is going to replace, he's now serving. And the king has found out, King Saul has found out that David is going to, has been anointed king and he's incredibly jealous of him and he's out to, to take his life so that, king, that David doesn't take over his kingdom. Psalm chapter 57 is right after there's an assassination attempt on David's life from this broken King Saul. And he says here in verse one, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I'm just gonna read that again. Be merciful to me. He's asking for mercy here. Oh God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Now here's a song. Here's a song to sing. Here's David. He's somewhere in the middle of this 13 years where nothing seems like it's happening. And in fact, it seems like it's kind of going backwards. And he's got the king of Israel hunting his life down. And what his cry out to God is, God, you fulfill your purpose for my life. What an amazing prayer. In fact, I think that's an unbelievable prayer for us to be able to pray. Okay, God, what are your purposes? I don't know how often you get a chance to ask that question. It's easy to just kind of get into the rut of life. I, I'd be the first to say that myself. I'm a pastor and we're growing and, and building some, a healthy biblical community here, church. But to... Step back and take a refresh and ask God, what are your promises? What are your purposes over my life? To ask that question again, to be provoked even in your soul, to say, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing in me? Am I going after the thing that I want to go after or am I submitted to your plans and purposes, the God who fulfills his purpose for me? What an unbelievable prayer. And I love this cry for mercy and the desire for refuge in the storm, right? He's in the storm. Till the storms of destruction pass by, verse one there. Why is he praying that? Because God, you've got to fulfill your promises in me. I'm in the storm. God's in the storm. What's he doing? He's fulfilling his purposes. You ever wondered when you're in the storm what God is doing? David has an answer He's fulfilling his purpose for me. And that sounds awesome on a Sunday morning, but that's tough when you're living it out every day, like David was. And that's the question that God's pressing our heart to just begin to ask. It's actually good to cry out, good to ask for mercy, and good to be in the middle of the storm and seek refuge, meaning that that's what God's aiming for, right? God's not asking for us to love being in the storm. Nobody has to love it. We're not asked to enjoy it. We're not asking, God's not asking us to be gluttons for punishment. What he's saying is when you're in the middle and when you're in the midst, 
of what God is doing, ask for, God, have mercy on me and fulfill your purposes for me. So that's the question we get to ask this morning. Just to maybe refresh, I want to provoke you to, have you asked that question? What's God's purpose for me? What does he design me for? Have you got to ask that and be refreshed in that? To seek him out and say, Lord, what are you doing? What, what is my life about? We get to ask this question in our lives. Psalm 138. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Meaning, what he's saying here is, I'm the work of your hands. When he says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, and he says, don't forsake the work of your hands, what he's saying is, I'm the work. Don't forsake what you're doing in me. Don't hold back, God. Have your full effect in my life. Show me what your plan and purpose is. And then we get to remember the promise. So we say, okay, we get to step in. God's working his purpose, but we get to remember God isn't stopping, hear this, until it's done. God's not stopping until it's done. So God's working. You might have felt like I'm, I'm stopping, but God's going, I'm not stopping. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Whole world economies can come to a, creaching, a screeching halt. And the world can be, hear this, in chaos. None of that will thwart what God is doing in you. There is nothing happening right now that can stop the plan of God for your life. So brother or sister, let's take heart and say, God, do your purposes in me. Let's ask him again. We may not see it. We may not feel it. But God is always at work. And until we see the Son of God face to face, that's his promise. He's bringing it to completion. He's working for you and me. And nothing's going to stop it. Jobs can change or cease, relationships can ebb and flow. Nothing is stopping the plan and the purpose of God. And what David was just so keenly aware is you can be in the middle of the storm. That's not stopping his purpose for me. So we can wake up, hear this, refreshed. That means every day gets fresh purpose. What that actually means in like real time is that Today could have been pretty broken. How many of you ever had those days? Like we were like, I'm ready to be done with this day. You been there? Come on. If you haven't been there, that, don't lie. It's church. Come on. Get real. <laughs> Everybody's had that day. What's amazing is if God is still and continually working, then you can wake up tomorrow with fresh hope and fresh promise. Like, 
And it can be that kind of a day, and it can be that kind of a week, and it can be that kind of a month, and it can be that kind of a year. But hear this. If this promise of God is true, then you and I have a chance to wake up in the morning with fresh promise, fresh energy, and fresh hope for the day ahead. And I can't think of anything more incredible, especially when things don't seem to be going your way. And I thank God that this is who he is. This is the promise. What's the point of the promise? What's the point of the apostle saying this to this incredible group of people? The Holy Spirit saying this to New River is for us to be like have our hearts encouraged to continue to rise up in what he's doing. And so the question we get to ask is, okay, how do we partner? How do we partner with God's purposes? How do we begin to step into it? What is it going to take? What does it look like? First Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That's the church word for he's shaping and molding and transforming and making you from something old into something new. You've been made fully new today and you're being made new. And so one of the craziest things in all of scripture, you are totally and completely perfected in Jesus Christ and you are being perfected each and every day. And may the God of peace himself shape, change, transform you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You want to know how we begin to partner with the promises of God? Number one, it's time to acknowledge, brothers and sisters, you've got a calling on your life. It's time to acknowledge you are more than a paycheck for your family. You are more than just a a, 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 a caretaker of children. You are more than just a spouse. You are more. Than, we could try to reduce ourselves to a lot of those kinds of titles out there. Hear this: everything that you are in and invested in is part of a grander, broader scheme for the glory of God to come upon you and use you and fill you. You've got a calling. You have a calling. We get to just lean into it so that your job is not just a job. And you raising those toddlers isn't just raising toddlers. It is accomplishing the glorious plans and purposes of the high king of heaven. Everything you do has meaning and purpose we got to acknowledge the call. You have a calling. You have a calling to make a difference. To be used of the Lord. God has called you. So we say yes to it. We acknowledge it. We lean into it. And then two, we don't hate on the process as we're in the middle of it, right? We don't hate on the process as you're being perfected and made. You step into the call. God, you've got a calling on my life. Do you believe that? Please, Please, uh, if we teach anything here, calling is for more than pastors and missionaries. Please. Calling is for everyone. So we lean into it and then we don't hate the process. God's faithful. He's sanctifying. 
means change is coming. And he'll do it. So we get to surrender the parts of us that want to take control. You may not know how long or how fast or how big God's plan is. Sometimes it can seem small. Let me tell you, let me just, can I say this to you? What seems small to man is massive to the Lord. God has the craziest economy in the whole world. It's way different than the American economy. I thank God for the American economy. Well, sometimes. So let's just be honest about that, right? But thank God our heart doesn't have to be hinged on the American economy or China's economy or any other place. God's economy is so crazy. Hear this. Your calling has nothing to do with what seems big or grand in the eyes of mankind. Your calling is totally and fully wrapped up in partnership with the God of the universe. And when you say yes to him, what Jesus says, just the cup of cold water in the name of the Lord moves mountains. Just looking for a yes. It moves the heavens, the small thing. Jesus is reiterating over and over. He's pointing to the lady, the old woman who just gives the two pennies. He's talking to the brother who just gives the cup of cold water. He's talking to the ones who just, uh, when no one was looking, helped, cared for, loved on. The thing that you do all the time that's never seen is seen by the God of the universe. Your calling is not about how many eyeballs on this earth are on it. Your calling is about the partnership with the God of the universe to say yes to him. It's so powerful. You can feel like you're stuck in neutral. Hear this. Don't quit. Get to open up your hands and just lean into the moment, right? We don't push ahead of what God is doing. Abraham has the promise of God. What does he do? He pushes ahead of the plan. Oh, I know. A story is there for us, church, because we can relate to it. Everybody can kind of like, come on, Abraham, you have the promise of God. What's wrong with you, bro? Come on, that's all of us. Get the promise and the plan of God, and we want to shove it into overdrive and make it happen. Oh, what's the plan of God? Wait, walk, trust. Some of you want your plan to happen yesterday. That's okay. It's okay to have that in you. Just bring it to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, what you've said you would do in me, I'm just, or what you want to do through me, I want to step into it. I don't want to push ahead. So give me patience. But some of you, listen, but we also don't want to lag behind. If you sense the stepping or the movement or the stirring of the Lord, we want to say yes. We want to step into it. We don't want to stay on the sidelines. Hear this. If you feel like you're on the sidelines a little bit, this is the moment to just ask the question, okay, God, what are you doing with me? What are you doing in me? I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to be used and I want to listen to you. It's time to step into it, to move. And your call, uh, our calling gets to involve every part of us. Our spirit gets aligned with God's spirit. Our soul, our mind, our heart, our emotions come into agreement with what God says is true. Our bodies say, yes, God. We have the health and energy to step into it. And then as we walk through the process, hear this, we get to dignify the trial because God dignifies the trials always. All throughout scripture, God dignifies it. He isn't just picking on you. 
when life's not okay. Hear this. I don't know what your thought process is. When you're walking through life and it's not going okay, there's a whole bunch of lies from the enemy about what's happening there. The chief of which is uh, God isn't with you or you're alone or he's forgotten you or you haven't performed enough to merit his presence with you. Those are the broken lies. And the easiest thing in the world to do when things aren't going well is to draw back or to try to pick up or to take control. But the Lord's just saying, dignify when you're in the midst of pain, because I do. That's what James says, count it all joy. Brothers, sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith is producing something in you. Steadfastness and steadfastness is having its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we get to say, when you're in the storm, I dignify the plan of God in the storm. This storm is not about me even. It's about the plan of God over my life. You find yourself even doing something difficult right now that you don't understand or you're not sure where God is. Hear this. Would you ask him? Ask him to speak to your heart when you're in the trial and you don't understand he wants to speak. He's asking us to ask. In fact, that's what he finishes James 1. He says, if you don't understand, many of you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it'll be given to him. Ask. Dignify. Walk in. Step into it. You guys stand with me. We're going to just take a minute to do that. Our team's going to come up, and we're going to have a moment to take communion here in just a minute. But before we do that, we're just going to be with the Lord here in this moment. We're going we're gonna to take a minute to ask. Would you just do this? Would you ask the Lord as we prepare our hearts for communion to remember what Jesus has done in his body and in his blood? Would you just ask him this? Lord, would you just show me what you're doing in me in this season? Would you just ask him that question? What are you doing in me? Would you just remind me now of your design and purpose for my life. Would you ask him that? Remind me, show me. And then would you just ask him this? Oh God, would you help me trust you today while I'm in the process? Help me trust you. Would you ask him for more faith, 
more boldness in you to trust him. Where are you leading me, Lord? Let me trust you. Let's take this moment just as we enter into taking the Lord's Supper, which is the bread, the body of Christ that was broken for us, and the cup, which is the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Would you say, Lord, come take authority and dominion over my life again. I'm I'm giving up control. I'm handing it back over. You get all of me, your plans for my life, your purposes for my life. As we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember, Jesus, that you purchased for us freedom to be fully in your plan and purpose. Freedom to say yes to you, to trust you. Our team is going to worship over us here in a moment. I'm going to invite you to come down the middle aisle and come receive the elements. As soon as you receive the elements, you are free to take the elements. You can take them back to your chair. Take them there. You can take them as soon as you've received them. Whenever you're ready to receive the elements, you can. Our team's going to worship over us. I want to encourage you to enter into worship. When we worship, we give God authority again over us and his plan and purpose. So, Lord, we receive and we thank you for your body broken and your blood shed. And we're ready to step into your purposes for us to ask that question again. Lead us, we ask faithfully. Pray. Amen. You can come when you're ready to receive the elements.